Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Wow. So, Robin, come here. Robin was in the orphanage in 2006 when we went to bring Paul and Yesenia home. And while we were there, there were also some young ladies that were a lot smaller then were there in the orphanage as well. And they're here because they're Robin's daughters. And she, she can tell you that story. But here's something amazing. Listen to this. In 2005, when we went to the orphanage and we first met Powell and Yusinia, we met these two girls and they're all in the same building today in Platte City, Missouri. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God good that he can do stuff like that? Yeah, amen. All right. So Robin is going to share uh, a little bit of what God has been doing in her life. She's been, he's been doing a lot of stuff <laughs> in her life. And so everyone, Robin Hansen. Thank you. It is on. Okay. So I talk loud too, so I'm sorry. My, my beautiful girls that are back there can testify to that. But it is wonderful to be here. I grew up in Kansas City, which is how I think that we ended up at the same orphanage. It was originally built by a man from Kansas City. Um, so it does feel like coming home, even though this is my first time at Community Church, and I see familiar faces because some wonderful people from your congregation came to visit our ministry in Peru this summer. So it's really great. I even have a wonderful model of our shirt with our logo up there, and she didn't even know I was going to be here, so that's pretty awesome. Um, uh, so thank you for having me here. Just to let you know, the scripture, how many of you have the Bible app? Anyone? the Bible app. So this week, my favorite scripture came up, which is many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is God's purpose that prevails. So there were a lot of things that I planned in my life, and none of them turned out the way I thought, because God had a different purpose that he wanted to work out in me, in my family, and in the people of Peru. And so in 2006, I went for a month to volunteer got to see the beautiful adoption of Yesenia and Powell, and now they're beautiful young lady and young man. And, uh, and then my husband and I, we quit our jobs, and we sold some of our stuff and put the rest in storage, and we decided to go volunteer for a year there. And during that year, our hearts were moved to adopt our own children, a sibling group of five, and two of them are here today. And if you saw the cute little baby, that's my granddaughter, and she is so cute. But um, they're here with us today. So we adopted those five siblings. And when I returned home to our community in Colorado, where I live now, I just could not shake the feeling of what happens to all those kids that are still there. What happens to those kids that didn't get adopted, that didn't have the chance to have a family um, like my children and Yesenia and Paul? And so I was concerned, and I began to pray. Let me set the scene for you. Poverty, abuse, drugs, prostitution, sex trafficking, human slavery, abandonment, This is the reality of those kids that were left behind. 
Some lived in single-parent homes, working from the age of five instead of going to school, selling candy on the streets just to provide basic necessities to help their family. Some of them lived on the streets. Others were dropped off at local orphanages where they learned to survive without a family of their own. And as early as 16 years old, they faced the painful reality of going back to that life that they had lived before. This was the reality for a girl named Lustina. And I had a PowerPoint, but because I am Peruvian, I was a little bit late. And somehow we didn't quite get that up there. But Lustina, she had a tragic young life. Anything that you have heard and can imagine, the brutal acts that we hear on the news and things that we just shake our heads in wonder, those things happened to Lustina. At the age of eight, she was abused by her father. And then he allowed his friends for a small fee to take their will with her. When she was 12 and her father tired and thought that he could get more money, he sold her to a woman in another town. And this woman, Luce originally thought was her aunt, and she thought that she had gained freedom. But instead of being safe, this woman sold her daily and hourly to every person in that neighborhood. Within a few months, after living this nightmare since the age of eight, Luce finally snuck and reached out to another woman on the street and just begged for help and eventually found herself in an orphanage. But after a few years, her birthday was coming. 18, by law, orphanages can no longer have you. And so she was terrified as her, this woman that had sold her was waiting for her to age out of the orphanage and have her back to sell again. Terrified of the brutality of that life. And so out of stories like Lustina's and many more just like it, Corazon de Esperanza, which is the name of our ministry, which means Heart of Hope, was formed and was birthed. We're the first kind of uh, ministry like this in northern Peru. So what we do is when those kids are facing their 18th birthday and they have nowhere to go, we've opened a youth transitional home where they can come to us. They can find safety. We train them. We give them skills. We um, teach them how to live independently, cooking and taking public transportation. And most of all, we're sharing the love of God and his healing power with them. In this transitional home right now, we're so blessed. When the group was there, we had eight or nine girls, and we've just been blessed to be able to open the third floor. And so now we have 11 girls hoping to have 18 girls living in our home by the end of the year. We also reach out to over 35 local youth who may be still living on the streets or living in a very difficult and abusive situation. And we provide for them as well, mentoring, discipleship, and giving them those life skills. We provide counseling and all of those things that you or some most, a lot of people in here have had from their parents, those skills that they needed. Because God has a purpose and he has a plan for them despite the brutality that they have suffered. And these youth are our main focus and God has opened the doors as well 
to reach out to women in the community who have small children so that we can try to break that cycle so their children do not end up in orphanages. And so we also reach out and, and teach skills to women in local communities. And it's so awesome because the people that went to Peru this summer, they got to minister to the youth and they got to minister to these women as well. I'm thankful to, that Brady let me come and share and uh, talk with you. And I, I'm thankful that your church has already begun to partner with us in the sense of going on a missions trip and praying for those that went and praying for the ministry. And I can't really imagine that in 2006 when we met that I would be here today telling you of this wonderful ministry that is helping these kids because God just had a purpose that wasn't part of my plan. But each one of the youth that we work with, and many of us in this room, we have suffered brokenness. It's overwhelming, the tragedies and the things that we have to face. I was at a conference, a ministry conference this past year, and um, there was a statement that I really haven't been able to get over, and it speaks so clearly to what I see in the lives of these youth. And it says there is a collision of the brutality and the beauty, a collision of the brutality and the beauty. And we see a perfect example of this through the cross of Jesus Christ. Cross where Christ died a horrible, tragic, painful, and brutal death. Something that seemed hopeless at the time. And yet through the prism of the cross, his passion and healing was revealed for each one of us. He revealed beauty, the most breathtaking beauty you can imagine is his love, an intense love for each one of you, for each one of the youth in Peru. His forgiveness, his mercy. And when I think about all the youth that are still in Peru and that are suffering and, and facing these things, and I think about my own life, I am so thankful that God's beauty can collide with the brutality of this world and of sin. So Luz, who I told you about earlier, she was facing her 18th birthday with fear, and this woman was waiting for her. And so now in that brutality, I want you to imagine the beauty of the cross. Because Luz heard about our program. And through hearing about our program, she applied and was accepted. And in that moment, hope came to her. She entered our home last year. She had the courage to make the decision to face her abusers and actually begin the court process to take them to court, which is one of the first cases that a minor has taken her abusers and traffickers to court. Working besides the courts, she and months of fighting this battle, with her very life in danger, there were several prices on her head. She finally won the case, and she was able to put the woman and the whole mafia ring, the leader, the chief of police in their town, in prison for life. Luce lost must, much of her childhood. And even though I've told this story, I might cry again, so sorry. <laughs> she lost much of her childhood. 
her innocence was stolen. But she has said over and over, and for those that met her, she is just the sweetest, most precious, humble girl. And she has said over and over that she would suffer and do it all over again if that meant that she could save the lives of the other girls that are still being trafficked. She's now in our program. She's studying to be a nurse because she wants to help other people. She um, has a network of people around her now that care and support her, that are becoming like family, that are leading her to a future that is drastically different from her life 10 years ago. Luce now has hope for her future because of the wonderful collision of the beauty and the brutality. But Luce is just one girl. One of many who are waiting to come into our program. Like I said, we just were able to open our doors to have 18 girls, but there are still more. We simply don't have the funding or the space to provide for all of them. There are boys that are asking to enter into our youth transitional home because you've heard me talk about girls, and that's where we started um, as they are one of the largest, most vulnerable populations. But there are boys who need hope, boys who have been trafficked boys who have been sold, boys who are broken, but we don't have the space. We have four right now that are asking. They call me Tia, which is aunt. Tia Robin, can we just sleep on the floor? We'll just sleep on the floor. I know you don't have a space for us, but can we just, we're leaving the orphanage in a couple months. Can we just sleep on the floor? They continually ask, are you going to have space for us? They're desperate. But we don't have the funding. And right now, when they're asked to leave, unfortunately, they're going to be on the streets. But I want you to imagine. You're hearing this message. You're hearing the gospel of God's love. And I want you to imagine how you can be a part of bringing hope and beauty to the lives of these boys. You can bring hope through praying for the youth sponsoring. I have a small table set up at the last minute, and um, a small table with some pictures of girls who are still needing sponsors, sponsors who come alongside of them and pray for them and write them letters and encourage them and provide their education. You can join me on a trip to Peru to build relationships like some of the people in your congregation have done. You can volunteer. You can help financially. Imagine you being the one to provide an opening for a boy. Imagine you being the one to provide a resource, a Bible, an education. Imagine that you can be the vessel of Christ bringing beauty into the brutality and changing the entire direction of their lives for generations. And as I finish, I want to tell you a second story about Fernando. Fernando is currently in a local orphanage after suffering years of abuse. And I spent time with him this past summer during the group. And he told me, Tia, I want to grow in my faith. I want to be more like God. I want to learn how to be a godly man. And he said, you know, Tia, I turn 18 in October. Will you have space for me? I smiled. I hugged him. But truthfully, we don't. We need more funding to purchase space for these boys. 
just to live across the street. We need funding to hire a staff member who's going to mentor them and disciple them. We need your help so that we don't have to turn Fernando down, so that the other boys who are begging to sleep on the floor of our building, that we can actually provide them a bed in their most vulnerable moment. They need our program, but truthfully, I, Brady, we didn't get here in a second or by ourselves by any means. If that were the case, it wouldn't have happened because we need you. We need you to come alongside us in whatever way that God has put on your heart. And I pray that you will be the beauty that contrasts the brutality that these youth have already endured. Thank you. Would you, would you join me in just praying for Robin, praying for her ministry, and praying for her family? So, Father, we, as the body of Christ, come and we lift up our sister to you and these precious um, young people that we, some of us, have seen with our own eyes. We've hugged them, we've cried with them, we've laughed with them. And there's so many more just like them that we haven't yet to meet. <laughs> God, the reality is if all of us just did something, just, just in this room alone, if we just did something, we could make an impact in, in this ministry, in this uh, culture um, that have touched the lives of people that we care so much about, people that are in our own homes, in our own hearts. So God, we lift up Robin to you. Would you give her courage? <laughs> Let her be strong and courageous. Let her not be afraid. Um, in the midst of opposition, the enemy who loves to kill, still and destroy, would, would love to continue to do so. But Robin's standing in the gap, uh, her and so many just like her, Lord. So we lift her up to you. Would you provide for her in supernatural ways where she sees and knows that it's from you and you alone. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, Robin will be out in the foyer. You'll see her um, display out there. If you want to spend some time visiting with her, that would be, that would be great. Did you get, uh, Tony, we have those pictures that I sent you? Hey, okay, so before we put this up there, I want you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 16, okay? Acts chapter 16, get there, and uh, we're going to just we're gonna just go through, we're going to look at this, this story that I was, um, I met with some other pastors not too long ago, we were praying, and let me just tell you, when you meet with other people and you start praying, neat things happen. Like, if you want God to do some incredible things in your life, get with some other people and start praying. Ministries get born out of that. Like, things happen because of you just praying with other people. And you start reading God's word, and you're praying, and you're reading God's word, and he gives you some incredible stuff. And then something incredible happens um, when you start moving, and you start unpacking and packing and decluttering. You find all kinds of incredible things that you wonder, why do we keep this? Why do we still have this? Oh, I'm so glad we kept that because it's just fun to look at. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. All right, so we're not going to read, uh, read the whole chapter, but, but this is Paul Paul and Silas, his partner in ministry, and they're, they're going and they're traveling and they're doing ministry. And in verse number 11 in Acts chapter 16, it says, From Troas, we went out to sea, we put out to sea, we sailed straight for Samothrace. 
the next day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi and a Roman colony and leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in the city for several days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And I think about Robin, I think about these women that we went out into these villages. We went out to these places to do um, ministry with the ladies in the community, ladies who were um, wanting to learn, wanting to grow and, and opportunities to share uh, God with them. And so I was thinking about that and I was looking at this story. It says, we expected to find a place to pray for prayer. We sat down, we spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, she was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond what Paul was saying. And after she, had, she and her whole household were baptized and she urged us, um, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at our house and she persuaded us. All right, so I just, I just love this thought of when you go to a place of prayer, when you go to gather and you go to, to, to share God's word, there are people there who need to hear the message. And I think this is incredible. Here's a God-fearing woman. She knew about God, but she had never heard about Jesus. She never heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how Jesus is the difference maker. Like when she heard about Jesus and what Jesus has done, when she heard about the cross, the beauty and the brutality of that, she, her life changed immediately. She went from believing in God to following him in a real and practical way. And it says after she responded, she got baptized, her and her whole household. It was a beautiful picture. So from then, from then they traveled on. They were traveling. There was a lady traveling. By. If you read the story, it's kind of a funny story. There was this woman that kept like saying things and it just kept driving Paul crazy. Finally, Paul just turned, cast out this spirit. And uh, they got in trouble because this guy, they were making money off of this woman. And Paul got in the way of that and they threw him in jail. And so this is really what I want to touch on. Look at uh, Matthew, or uh, not Matthew, but look at um, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Okay, so, so get this picture. Paul and Silas, they'd just been in a prayer meeting, which, by the way, this prayer meeting with these women, some would say this was probably the first religious meeting of Christians that ever was ever held in Europe. Isn't that an incredible thought? The first public Christian meeting in Europe is recorded right here in Scripture when Paul just met with a few other people to pray. So then they get arrested. All right, now they're in jail. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. All right, I don't know if you've ever been in prison or been in jail at all or know anybody that's ever been in jail. All right, if, if that was me and it was midnight, I don't know that I would be praying and uh, singing hymns to God. I just don't know. In my flesh, I don't know if that would be me or not. I would like to say that would be me standing here completely free at the, in the Platte County High School, but I don't know if I would be that way or not. But these guys were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought that the prisoners had escaped. You think your boss is mean? This guy's boss obviously was ruthless and he knew that he was just gonna die because he didn't do his job. Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. Once again, I don't know if that would be me. I don't know if my chains were cut off and the doors flew open. I'm thinking I'd be gone, all right? But they stayed there. Paul realized that there was a greater purpose for their suffering. 
The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, sirs, it's a question we all must ask in our life at some point in time. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Well, Paul told him, well, you got to come to church at least six weeks in a row. You got to go through a class. And then after the class, we'll have an interview and we'll talk about it. No, that's not in the Bible. That's not the way it goes. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's the work that is required of you, ladies and gentlemen, is to believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Dads, mothers, you want to affect your home? Believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. It will radically change your household. Your household will never be the same again if you follow Jesus. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and along with everyone in his house, he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds right away, and then he and his whole family were baptized. Told you, it affects the whole household. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. Okay, listen to this. In this story, there's four B's I'm going to give you. Okay, four B's. He believed. Okay, first thing, he believed. Right? It says he believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saved. The second thing was right after he believed, he blessed. He blessed them by caring for them. Do you see that? Like he immediately went into action and started caring for those that he was caring for originally in prison. He started caring for them. He went right into ministry. He didn't wait for the class. He didn't wait to go through all the process. He started being a servant of the Lord immediately. He believed, then he blessed, and then he was baptized in the name of the Lord. Okay, if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized, you've never gone through the waters of baptism, that's the next step for you. You need to do that. Yesterday, a seven-year-old little boy got baptized in Smithville Lake because he knew that was the thing he was supposed to do. He got baptized, and his grandmother, his great-grandmother, had never seen any other human being ever been baptized like that. This little boy set such a beautiful example for her and for anybody else that was watching. It was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. And then the last thing was he brought he brought them to his house. He ministered to them. He fed them. He went right in. He must have had a gift of hospitality and didn't even know it. And he starts feeding them. So he believed. He blessed them. He, baptized, he got baptized. And he brought them into his life, into his home. He welcomed people into his home. Let me ask you a question this morning. We've asked this question before. I'm going to ask you again. Are you interruptible? Are you interruptible? When, when there are people that you come in contact with, are you interruptible enough to where you can then bring them into your world? I hope so. I don't recommend this for all of you, but this happens occasionally to me. Uh, so the other day I was going to the hospital to visit someone. I heard this man was in the hospital. Uh, I should have probably text messaged his daughter before I went, but I just knew he'd probably still be there because he was really sick. I get all the way down to Rainbow Boulevard uh, by KU Med and I text message his daughter, hey, what room's he in? Well, he's already gone home. Oh, I drove all the way down here in the rain. So I turned around and I started driving back. I take this route back home and I see a man pulling a suitcase on the side of the highway in the pouring rain. Brady, are you interruptible? Yes. Probably too much sometimes where I get a little off focus. <laughs> 
So I stopped, pulled over. The dude, the dude, like the look on his eyes, like, you're stopping on the highway in the rain and you want me to get, I'm soaking wet. I was like, dude, I don't care what's your name. My name's Paul. Paul, my name's Brady. You want to ride or not? Well, yeah, I guess. So he just throws his bag in the car. It's like, where are you going? 57th and Swartz Road or something like that. I was like, I have no idea where that's at. Do you know where it's at? Yeah, sure. So we just, we drive all the way there. Now I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, there was a little bit of fear in the back of my mind. I wonder what he's got in his bag. Does he have a gun? Am I going to be dead? Is this it? Is this how the story's going to go? But at the whole time, I'm thinking, Jesus is interruptible. Paul was interruptible. This guy who just found Jesus was interruptible. So that's fine. We'll just take him. So I took him there, dropped him off, prayed for him. I said, hey, dude, can I pray for you? He's like, sure. <laughs> can I put my hand on your shoulder? Sure. And I prayed for him, and that was it. Paul Robertson. I don't know if I'll ever see him again or not. Now, young ladies, girls, women, don't do this on your own, okay? We live in a weird world. Don't do it. Okay, men, get out of your comfort zone, all right? If you get killed for Jesus' sake, it's a good thing. You'll be in heaven, we'll tell a good story about you at your funeral. We will, I promise. It'll be awesome. People will come to know Jesus because of your death, your martyrdom for the gospel. All right. This man, listen, this man was changed, right? He was changed. He was no longer the same. That's what I want to talk about this morning in our time we have together. He was changed, not only because of what he learned about Jesus, but it's also because of what he saw in Paul and Silas. Man, are you living such a compelling life for the gospel when people see you and hear about you? They're changed. They're not the same when they come in contact with you. Man, I hope Paul Robertson's life is different now because he, come in, he came in contact with me. Because it was for the gospel. It was for the truth of the word. And just, the, the, you know what? I said, God's, God says, love people, Paul. You're a people, man. We're going to love you. And you needed a ride. It's that simple. If we are in Christ, the Bible says we're new creations, right? New creations. The old is gone and the new has come. We should be different on the inside and we should do life differently on the outside. Okay, amen? Can I get an amen? Shouldn't we live differently? Shouldn't we be changed? Yes, we should. There should be a fundamental shift in the way that we look, to, in, uh, look at the world around us. In Christ, there should be a fundamental shift in the way that I look at you, my brother and my sister, or anybody else that I see. A fundamental shift in the way that I look at people because of what Christ has done in me. It happened to the jailer. It should happen to us. And so this is where I got on this theme, this thought about change. All right, show the first slide. There's some writing. There's some writing that I found in my sophomore yearbook. Apparently, based on the opinion of most of the people who wrote in my yearbooks the first couple of years of high school, I should not change. All right? Please stay exactly the way you are. Don't ever change. Great, it's a great thought, right? Don't change, Brady. Stay exactly the way you are. And you know what? Let me just tell you, there's a little part of me that wishes I would have never changed because look at this picture. Look at that hair. I wish I would have never changed. I was not paying attention, apparently, to all the advice of my young, immature friends. There I am. Look at that cute little smile. Can you tell that I've changed? Come on now. Yeah. Yeah, just a little. But, you know, here's the reality. If I would have stayed the same, I mean, obviously I would still have my hair, but I would only still be five foot eight. 
Now, granted, I would still have a 29-inch waist. That would be nice too, <laughs> you know. But I would have never put my faith in Jesus because I hadn't at this age. You know who I really loved at this age? Well, there's that one girl and me. <laughs> I really love me. I did. I mean, seriously, look at that face. I was the quarterback. I was a sophomore. I was a starting quarterback in the varsity team. I really loved me a lot. I would have never put my faith in Jesus. I would have never even considered going into ministry. I would have never gotten married. I would have never had kids. I wouldn't be standing here today if I wouldn't have changed. If I would have just stayed the same. I'm so relieved that I don't look at the world around me the same way as I did back in high school. My worldview was pretty narrow back then. But my experience today with Jesus is so much more intimate. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh, I went to church. I showed up at church every Sunday because I didn't have an option. My mom told me I was going to be in church no matter how late I stayed up on Saturday night. I was in church and I knew the truth. I knew about Jesus. I knew all of the hymns. I knew all the songs. I heard my mom sing them. But my life wasn't different. Even after I was 17 years old and I walked forward and I got saved and I got baptized, I go off to this travel school in Florida and my life wasn't changed. I wasn't any, I was worse than I was before. I wasn't different at all. But the reality is, is when we confess Christ with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, when we believe and we are saved, we go from death to life. You've heard me say it a million times. We go from death to life and living things are supposed to grow, right? Living things should change. They should be different. They shouldn't stay exactly the same. So saved from death and given We've been given this Holy Spirit to remind us of what Jesus has taught us. He empowers us to live the way that Jesus lived. We're changed. We're set apart. We're wholly different. I mean, that's what's going on on the inside. You know, in, in Scripture, it says that on the inside, we're being renewed. But on the outside, we're wasting away. <laughs> Look at the picture. <laughs> it's wasting away. <laughs> Not much left. It's almost all gone. But on the inside, I'm being changed. I'm being renewed. I'm being restored. I am called to bear the fruit of the Spirit who lives in me. Okay, you guys familiar with the, fruits, the fruit of the Spirit? Not the fruits of, but the fruit of the Spirit that lives in us. Okay? All right, and we're going to walk through those real quick, all right, as we finish up our time. So I just thought it was interesting that this man came to faith in Jesus in this, this story, and he immediately went into action started serving, got baptized, started, he changed. Are you different today than you were when you first believed in Jesus? I hope so. I hope you've changed. I hope you're growing. That's the purpose of why we gather, to encourage you to, to continue to follow and grow in your faith and bear this fruit that he's called us to, to bear. All right, so just, I'm going to talk about the fruit real quick. Love. We should be more loving because Jesus has commanded us to love one another. We should be different in that capacity. We are to have more joy because Jesus said he will make his joy complete in us. Yeah. 
We can experience a greater sense of peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he gives us a peace that transcends all understanding. Even in the midst of great trial, ladies and gentlemen, we can have peace. These guys were in prison and they were singing and praising God. All right, the next time you're going through it, put on some worship music, get on your knees, start praying and start worshiping. And I promise you, God will lift you right out of it. I promise you, he will. He might not give you all the answers. You might not have the 100% provision of what you need at that particular moment, except for the fact that you'll have him. And that's what you need more than anything else. Get on your knees. We are able to exercise a greater measure of patience towards others since God is so patient with us. You have anybody in your life you need to be more patient with? It should be in our nature just to be more kind to one another. That's one of the things, kindness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 33, it says the Apostle Paul says to be kind and compassionate to one another, right? Forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. That's the most sincere form of kindness is to forgive one another. Our lives should be characterized by the desire to be good, to be a blessing to others, to uh, demonstrate that by actions, you know? We used to tell our kids all the time when they were little, hey, goodness gets goodness. You want goodness in your life? Then be good to other people around you. It's just that simple. Sow in goodness, goodness will come back to you. Is our faithfulness to God consistent? Can, we, can he trust us to be steadfast and reliable to our service to him and to our church and to others? Are we faithful enough to where we're consistent in our walk? We should aspire to be a person known for our gentleness. Gentleness. You know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Are we gentle people? And finally, do we demonstrate self-control in word and in deed? Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Those things that I just spoke of. Galatians chapter 5. Look it up. As I was typing this, I had a conversation with a lady. That's a, she's a believer. She's a sister in the Lord. We were at Bee Creek. And I was having some coffee and we were talking. And we were talking about um, this reality that some people are so resistant to coming under the authority of Christ. They're so resistant to the change that he's going to bring about within them. They're so afraid of what that change is going to look like. Because of, they're afraid of, I don't know, they're afraid of getting rid of the chains. <laughs> they're afraid of the freedom that's going to come when we really start walking with Jesus. They're afraid of the things they're going to have to give up in exchange for the things that he has for us. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Because what Jesus has for us is so much better. I mean, you think Paul and Silas were like, oh, stop, put the chains back on. We really prefer to be locked up. No. We prefer to be free. And that's what Jesus has for us. He has this freedom. He wants us to walk in it. We come under his authority. And all of the things that you think you're going to have to give up, they're going to be so hard to give up. Jesus is like, I got something better for you. I'm going to replace it with something better. I don't know, death, life, <laughs> so much better. 
The truth is, Jesus does require us to let go of some things in order for us to fully receive what he has for us. You guys hear that? How you live and how you love matters. It mattered to that jailer. It mattered to his family. It matters to the people that you come in contact with each and every day. How you live, how you love makes a difference. Have you allowed Jesus to change you so much to the point when other people see you, like, you just don't look the same anymore. (laughs) You look different. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.